Welcome back to the Mini Time Show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcasts where one of the hosts is jealous of Max Crosby because this Thursday he gets to chase a stick. That is um, <laughs> my mic. It wasn't really a mic drop, but the thing that connects my mic to my computer just dropped. Uh, if you heard a noise, uh, that's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined, as always, on Tuesday by the great Dominique Foxworth of the Dominique Foxworth Podcast, where you can also find me at times. Uh, A person you will not be able to find is Justin Herbert. He is, what a terrible segue. He is uh, (laughs) out for the season. Uh, Hurt his finger. He's getting surgery. Makes sense. Kind of a lost season for the Chargers. Um, Sort of. Even if Herbert had been able to gut it out, I think it was kind of a long shot for this team to make the playoffs. It has felt for a while now like their head coach, Brandon Staley, is a bit of a dead man walking. Dominique, what is your like first gut reaction to this news about Herbert being shut down for the season other than you can't wait to watch Thursday Night Football? My first reaction, honestly, is we have to take a second to appreciate. That was one of your best. Uh, Thank you. Your best show yeah. opens in a long time. Now he gets to yeah, chase a stick. That was, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my reaction is the same as everyone's reaction. It sucks for the player. It sucks for all of us who don't get to see him because he's one of the most fun players to watch um, play. And yeah, it's, it feels like their season was already done. <laughs> and this just kind of drives it home. So for all, um, I don't know, 2000 fans that they have i don't know how many fans they have but it sure doesn't seem like they can fill a stadium with their own fans it really sucks i uh, it feels kind of like the turning of a page not just for staley in this season but for potentially this iteration of the roster uh yeah. i think what's such a bummer for chargers fans and what is going to make life a little bit more challenging for whoever Again, you know, assuming that they hire a new coach next year, like in some ways it's a very desirable job because you get to coach this like very talented young quarterback. But Dominique, like looking at the roster, it's not great. I think uh, many people, myself included, probably overestimated the quality of the team around Herbert. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. an aging roster. His three top pass catchers this year were Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Gerald Everett. Uh, you've got Bosa and Mac. I mean, so actually, I, this is what I grabbed. I wanted to see what their cap looked like next year. It's in the worst shape of anyone in the NFL next to the New Orleans Saints. They're $44 million over the cap. There's a lot of things that they can do and players that they can move on from. But right now, the top hits are Mac, Bosa, Allen, Mike Williams, Derwin James, Justin Herbert. That was kind of like the core of this team. And it feels like, okay, well, what's next? Because they haven't hit on, there's been a lot of bad draft picks. Um, it doesn't feel like there's like a, a group of young talent that's going to bridge this roster yeah. to the next part of where, where it was to Herbert starts making a lot of money. When you have a quarterback, we call it a retool and not a full rebuild, but they are <laughs> at that point where they're not going to be competitive immediately. They're at the point where it's time to have a makeover of this roster. And that's not a great time to uh, when you have a quarterback with expectations because the expectations are high because you have a quarterback. So we're not going to give whoever comes in the same uh, leeway that we would get 
we would give to another coach who's coming into a bad situation. And while this situation has Herbert, makes you feel like it's good, but all the considerations you just laid out are reasons why you think it's bad or why you may not be excited about this opportunity because having a quarterback makes people expect something. And I I don't want to judge you or anyone else who had higher expectations for this team because they have all the things and it's a, it's a chargers thing historically for this team, but they have, you expect them when you come into season, like, what do you need? Good cornerback. They have that. You got a good tackle. They have that good pass rusher. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what you make your face at the cornerback? I know you're not making a face at the tackle. Slater's a good tackle. Corner. I think corner has been a Mac. Yeah. Corner is where corner has been a problem. Linebacker has been a problem no, I, forever. I, yeah. I guess I'm going back to the beginning of the year and defending the position yeah, that most of why us took. It's like people were high on them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So JC Jackson was not good there, but he was considered good uh, at one point when they signed him. Uh, they thought he was good. Uh, the pass rushers are good. You think that takes pressure off of Derwin James is at least at, at one point was one of the best safeties in football. And uh, I think uh, Asante Samuel junior was a playmaker with he was young like i think i guess there's no point in us rehashing all of this but i don't think that we should feel bad because they underperformed i think that it was reasonable to to believe that they were going to be respectable i think rather my point is not that to self-flagellate for buying for being loosey with the football when it comes to the charges every year but to say that i think the roster construction deserves as much credit as or probably discredit blame Blame. as you know, when we look at this team and what went wrong this year, I think the the talent we overest people overestimated how good this roster was. I think I did. I mean, you know, going into the season with like, yes, they lost Mike Williams, but also your whole offense shouldn't be predicated on having a healthy Mike Williams. Like that's your that's kind of on you. Um, it's like um, I was talking. My husband and I we were driving, and the Miseducation of Lauren Hill came on, which is. What, this is a very convoluted analogy. One of my favorite albums I of all it. time. I always laugh when people complain about going to see Lauren Hill in concert and like she doesn't show up and everyone's like, like that's kind of on you, man. Like at this point, yeah. that's how I feel about the Chargers leaning on Mike Williams. Like I know they drafted Quentin Johnson, not a good pick at this point, yeah. clearly. It's kind of on you for thinking that would, I mean, you know, 30 whatever year old Keenan Allen, like is still great. But like they, I don't think they did a good enough job of um, evolving the roster, adding talent, adding young talent, adding speed, and they've suffered for it even when Herbert was playing. So it just feels like well, that the whole thing needs like a radical like they need to like turn the page on a lot of things in Los Angeles. I don't, I don't care whether whether the analogy was good or not. But you bring up Lauren Hill, you get a win in the Foxborough House. So my wife loves Miseducation, and I had a yeah. huge crush on Lauren Hill back in the Fuji days. Mm, perfect. Why, why am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you lost uh, it over Lauren Hill? <laughs> no, was, we were talking about the album, and then I went and I Googled pictures from back then. Oh, my God. I was I like, oh, my God, what a beautiful woman. Uh, okay, so from Lauren Hill <laughs> to Tyreek Hill. Segway. Oh. Uh, huge upset, Dolphins-Titans. I do want to hit the Titans part before we get to the Dolphins because I think everyone's kind of rushing to talk about the Dolphins. We're like leading with the Dolphins on NFL Live. I want to I want to nod to a couple things of the Dolphins Titans. Um, well, there's a there's a bunch of things. Uh, 
Okay, here are three thoughts I had on the the Tennessee Titans coming out of this win. DeAndre Hopkins. I I know, like when he tweets, no team wanted me. I know that's, you know, who knows, the price, all of that. But watching him, I was like, damn, no team wanted you. Like the Chiefs, you really couldn't use I know they couldn't pay him, so I don't, it's a bit of a straw man when we look at teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, whatever, contenders. But he's still so good, Dominique, and he's still so helpful to a young quarterback, as you clearly saw on the final uh, Levis throughout the game, really. Like, you don't think Bryce Young's watching, not that Bryce Young necessarily would be so much better, but it would be better. If you had DeAndre Hopkins, it would be better. So that was one takeaway I had. Uh, The other is Levis, again, I kind of feel up and down, credible arm strength, mental errors, toughness. A little too much toughness, perhaps. Uh, yes. I was watching the game with Mike Gold Jr. and Shanae, uh, Shanae Ogunke, who's not really like a football fan, and Levis came on, and she was like, are all quarterbacks like that jacked? And we were like, no. <laughs> it's unusual. He is uh, unusually jacked, and he behaves like he's jacked, which you yeah. should not do in football no. unless you're Josh Allen. Final thought, this Tennessee defense, the front, they, they still get after it. And it's it was cool. Harold Landry went off. I think it, it was a reminder with Landry. He got that huge contract. He got hurt, came back from injury, struggled a bit. People struggle when they come back from ACLs, it turns out. Sometimes you just need a little bit of time. But boy, he returned to form in this game because he's a huge part of why they won. So those are my three Titans thoughts. Yeah, I was just looking at the um, titles from Miseducation and thinking of how I could use them and to in the rest of our analysis. Superstar? But yeah, Superstar final hour the the final hour of that game was pretty terrible. Um, I would say <laughs> yeah, my takeaway from that game is definitely very dolphin centric. If you're forcing me to talk about the the just Titans, for a I will say yeah, no, 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 I'm fine. They went for two. Good job. Way to go. Linebacker with a calculator. That was outstanding by Mike Vrabel. And Mike Vrabel is, there are a few coaches that I think give you a, like actually give you an edge in um, in game decision making. And Mike Vrabel consistently is that he's Belichickian in that way. Yes. And that he's going to find a way to get the edge in all games. And they always do this. Like they, they have yet to have like a real championship contending team. But it does feel like their roster perpetually overachieves. And at some point throughout the season, they're going to beat somebody they're not supposed to beat. Even with a backup quarterback or the pastronaut or whomever they have or uh, Will Levitt. So that's my takeaway from that game. And huge concern for the Dolphins out of that game is uh, pass rush, both sides. Like It felt like Will Levitt had too much time to throw. And created time, and that's no matter how good you are, that's going to kill you. I feel like it's a recurring theme yeah. in all um, shows that we do together and I do alone. And on the other side of the ball, it's that offense is a delicate machine. And well, yes, yeah, yes. and the timing, injuries, anything that disrupts it. Uh, I'm sure you've covered this before. Tua is. And he had a, that throw in between three players in the beginning of the game. I think to Waddle. Waddle took a big hit. He is awesome when mm-hmm. he is on time and when he is knows where he's going with the ball. He is not when 
things are a little murky and we're asking him to make something happen or to be special. And that was just driven home last night. You know what? I was thinking watching it. So Tua in this game was pressured on over 40% of dropbacks, 44% of dropbacks, which is twice his average. He's one of the least pressured quarterbacks in NFL this year. NFL, pardon me, in the NFL this year. That's, he has never been pressured this season at a rate over 30%. And watching him, uh, I was thinking about how pressure is, it's a quarterback stat in part, you know, but it's also in the case of the Miami Dolphins, a wide receiver stat because a big part of the reason why two is able to get the ball out quickly and push it downfield and, and defenses haven't been able to take advantage of what is not a great Miami offensive line is that guys get open so quickly. When you take out the guy who's Tyree kill, who missed, um, you know, a fair amount of this game, you're in what you said, the delicate machine suddenly starts to malfunction. And I mean, the, so the pressure numbers for Tua when he was on and off the field are, pretty stark as well as his time to throw. Um, I don't know if I've, I, I, I've seen it. Like, here we go. So when Tyreek Hill was on the field, he was pressured or probably off the field. He was pressured on 47%. That's what was pulling that up. And then when he was on the field that dropped down below 40. Um, yeah, it's, That's, it's, it's amazing. Again, you wow me with a really impressive stat. Uh, I think that I'd be interested to see, why is it because Tyreek Hill is off the field and that makes things less certain for Tua um, as far as where to go with the ball or is it because and I think this is an interesting thing that I'll go back and look at those pressures and see if it's Tyreek Hill is very fast but I think it's it would be hard for people to imagine that he's so fast that routes develop more quickly but I do think that when you're talking about pressure, you're talking about fractions of a second. Yes. You know, like it, throwing in two and a half seconds is a lot different than throwing in three seconds. And if Tyreek Hill is fractions of a second faster than other receivers, which he is, like, then I think that could help the route develop faster. And also him being on the field can help coverages declare more quickly. Yeah, and that, that, that all is the speeds other thing, up, I think. Yeah, that all speeds up the, the all those three different ways that Tyree Hill impacts the team is why he's the MVP of that team and maybe even of the league. When, I mean, when he's not on the field, you can kind of just play defense. <laughs> like it's not, you know, like when he's on the field, literally everything defenses do is oriented right. towards stopping him. When he was off the field, they were bracketing Waddle. Like, so to to the point of pressure and guys getting open, it's not just like, oh, guys take longer to get open. It's well, defenses no longer have to sit back. You get more uh one, you know, you don't have those one-on-ones you had before. Everything changes for the pre-snap look and post-snap, and life just gets a lot harder. The other thing I I, I do want to hit with Miami, um, you know, they kicked some field goals. It was very, instead of in the red zone. They, so this was an interesting match because the Ryan's been the red zone attack. Titans have been a very good run, red zone defense, despite the fact that they're, which I think has a lot to do with some of their issues in coverage, but the front still being very good, even without Jeffrey Simmons in this game, which is crazy. Um, they the, the, the Dolphins ended up kicking field goals a couple of times, which of course was, you know, ended up being part of the difference in this game. It was very apparent to me, Dominique, that 
Mike McDaniel doesn't trust his run game when the field tightens like that. Like they're good at running the ball and they were running the ball at a great clip, but it's very different in other parts of the field when defenses have to defend the entire field. You're getting these really light boxes in the low red zone. He was like, Oh, I don't trust my offensive line to get the push I need. Um, So that's not to say like they shouldn't have tried to run the ball necessarily. But I think when we think about this team and what could be a problem in the playoffs, that's something you know, when you get into the low red zone, especially if Tyreek Hill's not there to like stretch things out horizontally, I don't think that they, they're they confident in their run game. I mean, there's some, you you would never just like summarily dismiss uh, like old hand in the dirt, football football people. But I think some modern like stat driven analysts will and try to say that, like, yeah, whatever, passing is more efficient, always throw, blah, 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 blah. But I do know that this is an example where when we start talking about who, what type of teams advance, what type of things you need to have in the playoffs, part of it is a physical running attack. And it's not that yeah. every team that ever makes a deep run or wins a Super Bowl has a physical running attack. But particularly when you don't have a quarterback that, can like make something out of nothing on occasion it's nice to have something to take pressure off of your team and you're right football at this level when there are very few players that are just so special that they're going to change the dynamic of the team whether on offense or defense on this level it's about creating conflict and it's about challenging the defense to do two things at once and and there's a bunch of different things that you can challenge him to do. Like you mentioned, Tyreek with challenging challenging the team with width, and also challenging them with depth, challenge them in the middle of the field with passing. If you take away challenging them to stop the run, it makes it a whole lot easier to like allocate mm. your resources and in the red zone in particular, when you can't challenge them with depth. You have to challenge them with yeah. width. You have to challenge them on the ground. You have to challenge the corners of the end zone. These are things that you have to challenge their eyes. But if you take the run game out of it, it does make things different. And if you have an offensive line that is uh, injured and not all that physical and aggressive, that is going to be a problem. I think that's kind of, if you had to like summarize this game, it, it really was like a, a what happens when the offensive line is exposed What happens when you're asking them to pass protect for longer than 2.4 seconds? What happens when you get into the red zone and you just got to run the ball and you're not able to take advantage of mismatches? And I think that is, this was always the thing with this team, right? This was always the question is the, like, obviously to his health was the big thing coming into the season. But for me, um, you know, they were so good everywhere else. And I do think like line has been better in some ways, but this was a, a tough performance. You lose Connor Williams, by the way, uh, as well. So that's going to be an issue for them. I mean, they're already kind of banged up. So yeah, we'll see how things go. The Miami Dolphins are now nine and four, um, which means that the Baltimore Ravens who are 10 and three are now in first place in the AFC uh yeah so it's going to be i th- think they meet right at the end of the year yeah, if i remember correctly maybe. okay so that'll yeah. be that'll be a big one so tough, a tough loss. Road ahead of them. they do they're playing some very difficult teams so that'll be interesting um and yeah titans 
you know, I, I, I just put a little bow on it before we move on. I think if you're a Titans, this is it's like, oh, it's a lost year. What are they doing? Are they competing? They're retooling. I think you're starting to feel good that you have some pieces. Like, I think you've seen enough from Levis to be excited. Um, Skaronsky on the offensive line has had a solid season. They found uh, contributors kind of later in the draft over the last few years. So there, there's some some good players on this team. I think you still the pass defense probably still needs a lot of help. But, uh, you know, it's not all is lost. A good win. Good win. Congratulations, Tennessee. You got right. something. When we come back, chicken cutlets. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, that's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. The Green Bay Packers, big letdown game. Miami is arguably a worse loss, but for the Packers, where every win does matter for the playoffs, I, this one, I feel like, had to sting quite a bit, especially because their playoff odds, if they had won, would have jumped to 76%. Now they're at 47%. There's still that kind of that NFC in the hunt, it's a, it's a lot of it, you know, everyone's kind of, it's the Seahawks, the Packers, the Rams, the Vikings. I don't know. We'll see. I it, Some of that is just going to come down to competition. Um, let's start with the giant side of it first. <sighs> Five and eight now. Also in the hunt, I guess. Yeah. I don't want to do the, Conversation: Are you? Do you wish you had lost? Because they're. I feel yeah, like nah. they're really. They're, yeah. We, we, I mean. Yeah, and you know, I'm the wrong. Guys. You know, I'm the wrong person for I that know. conversation. I don't. I, I don't believe in in trying to lose or fighting for draft picks. They won. Good for them. They want to win. They have something to build on. Uh, I think the Tommy DeVito story is fun and funny and ridiculous. I I assume that the agent was wearing a costume, but. Uh, upon further review, he's been dressing <laughs> like this for a long time. It's absurd and funny, and congratulations to them. Uh, he is not the long-term answer at quarterback. Sorry. I, I don't think they're going to trick themselves into that or pretend. I guess, though, I, while it is good to win, and, you know, uh, players certainly play to win, um, they're, they're – 
probably locking themselves now into Daniel Jones take two next year. Whereas if they had finished with the second overall pick, I think they would have moved on. Maybe they'll try a trade. I don't know. We don't, it's so it's too early to speculate, but um, yeah, I get, I mean, I imagine they'll keep DeVito to, to push, but that's going to be rough too, because he's the exact kind of backup quarterback who fans clamor for every time the starter struggles, even though everybody knows. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, I think, okay. So I feel like I'm treating this exactly the same way as I did the Titans, but like, Thoughts on the Giants watching this game. Um, I thought the defense was impressive, and you're starting to see you, – you talked about, like, what to build on. Offensively, it's just, you know, I I guess the offensive line played a little bit better. That's, you know, encouraging. Wondell Robinson, it, you know, was a second-round draft pick, which is crazy kind of now to think back, but, like, to see him contribute is helpful. But I think you can kind of identify, like, young players in the roster. Deontay Banks flying around the field, making tackles. Kayvon Thibodeau having a huge – yeah, your boy Terp having a huge game. These are the things you're looking for if you're a Giants fan right now. Do we have young players who are playing well? Um, but I guess it's hard when you look ahead to next year and you're like, and yeah, Joseph back. But anyways, the roster, I think, will be in better shape next year because of the experience these guys are getting. Yeah, I think that's encouraging. You want to end the year playing well. You want to have something positive to build on and find some pieces that are uh, cheap and effective. And then you can address some other parts through the draft and through free agency. Uh, most teams don't have uh, all pro level quarterback, but a lot of teams find a way to be competitive and win in spite of that. So I think the Giants are one of those teams that could be well positioned that it seems like at least now with how the they're playing that they found the right coach with uh, there was a point in the season where we were like, eh, I don't know about the coach. I mean, I, I think it's hard to hey. argue. Yeah. I mean, to bounce back from where they were in this season and to, Reel off three wins with Tommy DeVito is encouraging considering where they were at some point in this season. So, uh, and the defense is getting better. So that's something to be encouraged about. And so, yeah, that's, that's it. New York, you got a little something to be happy about. Don't be sad that you're, that you don't think bad enough to get a good quarterback or a great quarterback. You have good, some good young players in your roster. Um, The Packers also have good young players on their roster, but this was, I think you and I were talking when we were talking about Jordan Love. I was like, ah, if there's going to be a regression game because the improvements he's made in accuracy, that's not like a linear thing, right? Like, like we the, in this game, he really looked a lot like he did in the beginning of the season, I would say, where he was kind of spraying the ball. And then, you know, at the end of the game, he, he made some very like heroic plays. That's basically the same performance we saw from Jordan Love until like week eight or nine when he just lit up and, you know, when he started improving every game, Dominique, I, I I wouldn't be too upset about that. If I'm a Packers fan, like it's not, I think it would have been um, to expect him to just suddenly turn the page and be this like incredibly accurate quarterback and decision maker. I, I feel like that was like, this felt like it was going to happen at some point and it just happened. And unfortunately against a not very good team. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm a little bit, um, more concerned, I guess. Concerned is probably the wrong word because I agree with you. There is expected to have some regression. However, this is a game that you should be able to win and you expect yeah. to win when you have regression. And if you are trying to build towards something because they are going to have other games like this. I am surprised 
I guess I can't be surprised because I've been on here. I think we talked about the Packers two weeks in a row prior to this one. And I said the same thing. One of the things that I said both times was his accuracy was an issue and it seems to be solved. So that it is not solved, I guess I should go back and look at Jalen Hurts and look at Josh Allen, other guys who we thought had accuracy issues and then they got solved to see how often they regressed in that um, situation. But it's possible. Yeah, Yeah, it's possible that you're right, that there is it's not going to be linear. But in my memory, and maybe this is revisionist history, my memory was they kind of turned the page on it. I don't think of those guys as guys who struggle with it. You think of Lamar who struggles with accuracy. That ain't gone away. I just watched him play this week. He's still got issues with accuracy. It hasn't gone away. In the history of us talking about football, until Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, we thought accuracy was kind of something that you kind of had to live with. I will say Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts both had very up-and-down performances year one. Josh Allen, first two years. This is Jordan Love's year one. So I, I hear you, you know, but like, yeah, I, I think I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, well, kind of for Green Bay, it would be easier if he was a rookie because from a roster planning standpoint, he is not a rookie, uh, but uh, they're gonna have to make decisions about him. But I think um, if you think of it as his year one, which it is, yeah. I guess I just don't feel that worried about it. It's good. The offense, you know, I mean, they're missing Christian Watson. I thought play calling left a little bit something to be desired in this one. And I'm usually pretty... I don't know why they kept going back to that Jaden Reed uh, horizontal stuff, but uh, it stopped working uh, and he stuck with it. That's the offense. Yeah. I no, am not the defense. so sick <laughs> yes. of watching this Packers defense do the same. It's been years, <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't. And it's, it's, it's not just been Joe Barry. It preceded Joe Barry, but oh my God, yep. Joe, the Joe Barry, like, I did two things. I mean, I could single out a number of things that drive me crazy watching this defense that have been driving me crazy forever. I, okay. I understand being taken back a little bit by the first time Tommy DeVito runs zone read. How are you still being fooled by that or not accounting for it deep into the football game? It was, it was like, um, it was like when teams used to play Daniel Jones, same quarterback. Like, what are you doing? You know, he's going to keep it on some of these. It was, mind-blowing and then that final drive knowing like just the situational football you you know that all they have to do is get into field goal territory still giving them these cushions it's tommy devito what are you doing and like the the robinson throw was a good throw and like that's fine you made him beat you make him beat you but like oh my god leading up to that dominique like i don't understand why we the Packers like this is their identity which is crazy so good news I just looked at the rest of the Packers schedule and they don't got too many too difficult coming up I mean I guess the Bucks so give them a good challenge the Bears seem to be playing better now the Vikings maybe whatever but I was thinking like you can't lose this to the Giants because this might be the worst team that you have the rest of the year nope they got the Panthers so before I talk bad about your defense you have that to be excited about but I almost feel silly talking about this game in isolation because this is them every year for the past five years is I look at their roster. I'm like, Ooh, woo. And then I go and look at how they perform and I'm like, mm, mm. and it's like, this was week to week. The last few weeks they've been getting pressure and it's been making the whole defense look better. They haven't had like Alexander out there, um, which 
hurts them, but also like the defense has been good and they weren't terrible in this game, but I guess they were pretty bad considering the opponents. Like when you are getting ready for this game, who are you supposed to be concerned about? Like, it's not like they have a dominant O-line. They I was going to say, the, you should be sacking Tommy DeVito. He was, he I was, think his numbers when he had like over two and a half seconds were extremely good. Yesterday. I mean, it's yeah. just. Yeah, this line is not good. And and they like gave the Lions offensive line, which is one of the best in football. They gave them hell. Like, this is just inexplicable to me how they would come in here and have a hard time against them. It's not like you got to take people out of the box in order to protect against some Tyreek Hill level. Like I just, it just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. They're not a team that is good enough to be having letdown games. I just don't know. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It's just something that happens with this team all the time. ESPN stats and info. I just saw uh, this is the most yards per play any team has averaged on zone read this season. Oh, it's Tommy DeVito. What are you doing? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just sick of it. I'm just tired of it. I, I, I'm tired <laughs> of talking about it. Like, get it. I, it's, uh, yeah. And it's like you can say, well, they hold them to, you know, not that many 23 points or whatever. And the offense needs to play better. It's true. But like, you know, it's the offense is has but, I don't I'm not making excuses, but like that's a young group. It's ups and downs. You know, Wink's defense. They blitz a lot. They have some good players. Uh, I'm not. So I guess I don't come out of this game feeling like panicky about the offense, even though I don't think it was a great performance from either the quarterback or the play caller. The defense, though, like that defense is not I, I I'm they have to make some sort of radical change because it's it's freaking so boring to have the same exact conversation over and over. Okay, let's end on a positive note. Um, because there's two Monday night games, I said let's only do winners this week. Yay. Yay um, I'll go first. My winner is Joe Flacco. You could argue it's the Cleveland Browns, period. Because when I was watching this offense against Jacksonville, by the way, some real issues on that defense, I, was, I wasn't watching it, Dominique, thinking, wow, Joe Flacco, still awesome, still got it. He has a great arm. He always has had a great arm. And he was making you know largely good decisions. He was beating the blitz, whatever. He was executing the offense. I was thinking, this is a good offense. Yeah. Like, oh, the run and the pass stuff works together so well. These skill players, they get yards after the catch. They're open, uh, like, so often. And, um, like, you had Joe Flacco executing RPOs in the year 2023, which is amazing. Uh, it really, like, we talk, so, we talk so often about teams being a quarterback away. Watching this offense, I was like, oh, they really actually were a quarterback away. That's how I felt. Uh, watching them and watching sort of Joe Flacco have his big game. The quarterback away team that coming into the season was the Jets and they, their quarterback got hurt, but they also had O-line issues. I think that is a yeah. thing that you don't have in Cleveland. Uh, well, they, even now without, they will. They got, they got all yeah. these injuries now. But right. Yeah. They have, right. But I mean, they have an offensive line that was good. But anyway, the point is they, um, they needed a caretaker. Joe Flacco is a caretaker and yeah. he has uh he has a high ceiling. 
which is encouraging because there will be times where your defense is not going to be enough. Joe Flacco has a high ceiling. He also has the ability to, to a propensity to give the ball away to the other team. I think what they have done is put themselves in position with Joe Flacco. And as much as I'd love to champion the young quarterbacks that they have on the roster uh, that looked okay at certain points, I still feel like more confident with what a rickety old Joe Flacco can do for this team in tough situations. And it should be encouraging to them in an AFC that's wide open. You have a quarterback that might lose you a game, but he might win you a game. The quarterbacks you had prior to this did not have that ability to win you a game. And it sucks for them, but it's nice for the Browns to have this now. It's always an interesting question, right? When you have a good football team, do you want the backup with the high ceiling or do you want the backup who can like protect the football and just kind of move the chains? Um, And it's a really good point about Flacco. Like unlike a lot of backups, he will push the ball down the field. It's um, and he will like he made some dumb decisions in this game, but you're getting more variance in a way that I think makes this team scarier because we know they're a very good defense. They were fantastic against Jacksonville granted against a limited Lawrence, but they look kind of back to themselves after, you know, a down performance. Um, it, it's so corny, but like, I don't want to play an elite defense with a quarterback who's going to push the ball down the field. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily pick them <laughs> in the playoffs. Right. And it looks like they're poised to have a good chance of making it, but I sure as hell don't want to play them. Like, if you make it like a probability, um, you think about like DTR, you think, all right, we're going to challenge them. I think most teams that are going to play them are going to challenge the quarterback to beat them. You challenge DTR to beat you. I think that you, your probability of coming out on top or him not reaching the highest level is pretty good. And I think with Joe Flacco, your probability is tilt a little bit and it's not I wouldn't put it over like 50 50 I still think you're more likely to win and you challenge yeah. Joe Flacco to beat you but you have a much better chance and the way it's going to look is it's capable I think he threw three touchdowns in this game of more than 30 yards like that's not easy to do you know like to attack down the field you could do it once I think all quarterbacks yeah. might be able to do it once but do it three times in one game that's not easy to do and he didn't make the the He's going to make some really bad decisions at some point this season. He didn't make them in this game. Uh, And you just hope that they drop him or he makes them in games that you have well in hand. And that's a better chance than I think what you have with the the other quarterbacks on that roster, frankly, including Deshaun Watson. When Deshaun Watson, if you just look at the way that Deshaun Watson was playing while he was out there, I think Flacco probably better than that. Well, because this offense is such a reputation for being so run heavy, um, if you have a quarterback who can exploit that at times, you're going to get explosives. You saw, you saw that on the Najoku. I mean, that was, uh, they came out with that max with the seven offensive linemen and the two tight ends several times over the course of the game. But this was the first time they did it in the football game. It was a third and one. And it, naturally Jacksonville thought they were going to run the ball. Uh, and they did not run the ball. Uh, and Flacco was able to hit him over the top for the for the touchdown like that. Y- you just need to do that like a few times a game, which is what they did. The other Najoku thing was also play action. Jags were also in their base defense against them. I mean, it's just 
the, there, there is a, a formula for what they do. And uh, it, just having a quarterback who can actually make the throws with some consistency, it's not a bad formula. That's all. I, I wouldn't want to play this team. That's all I'll say. Um, I like your winner because uh, I haven't really talked about, I've talked about, well, parts of it, but why don't you reveal who you've got? Chicago Bears are my winner for the week, along with Justin Fields in particular, but definitely the Bears. I we already like tiptoed around this idea of where your draft uh plate where your draft pick will land. I love that the Bears, there is no incentive for them to stink because they traded yeah, with great. with the Panthers and the Panthers stink enough for them. They're going to get the Panthers number one overall pick. What do you think of the idea of Charlie? I, I put this on my podcast and Charlie shot it down because he's a fan of a bad team and the Washington commanders. But <laughs> the idea of your draft pick being tied to someone else's results. I like removing the incentive of sucking from the fans and anybody else because there there's nothing for them to suck for. No fans want them to lose. They want them to win. Yeah. I guess some fans might still want them to be able to get um, two top three picks. But I like this, and I like the way that this team is playing. You see that uh, Justin Fields is improving his trade stock because while I can get behind the argument, for um, sticking with Justin Fields, like, I can understand it. It's an unrealistic conversation to have for a team that's never had a franchise quarterback and a team that passed on or traded out when they could have gotten C.J. Stroud last year, passed on uh, Patrick Mahomes for Mitch Trubisky, and frankly been in the league since its inception yeah. or close to it, and have never had, like, you can't think of one great Bears quarterback they're not going to pass on an opportunity to draft the the most highly decorated or highly touted um, quarterback prospect to come in the league since Trevor Lawrence. They're going to do that. But I like the idea of them not having to stink for it. And they're building something. Like, they look good. They look comfortable. They look confident. They look yeah. well-coached for a few weeks in a row. It's nice. Okay, you said a lot of things there. First of all, the Jay Cutler slander. Um it's not Jay. I love Jay Cutler. He, he threw me two when he was with the Bears in one game. My man. Um, okay. The idea of like the fact that the Bears don't have to suck and they get to benefit from someone else sucking is uh, makes life very fun for obviously it was really when, when the teams played, it was like like the can't lose Bears game. Right. Because you're winning the game, but you still get a better pick like you're helping yourself. Uh, I wish that week that could happen, but y you need the bad teams to get the good quarterbacks. Otherwise, the bad teams will just stay bad forever, which some of them do anyways. But <laughs> uh, that was Charlie's think, argument as a fan of the commanders. He was like, yeah. it's nice because it gives you hope. I'm like, whatever. Run your organization yeah. better. Well, anyway, I wouldn't ahead. mind if it was like you race to the bottom and then you make the bottom feeders play. Yeah. You know, like maybe week 18 or something. There's some kind of like final incentive. Like, okay, you sucked. You're a bad team. We want you to get a good pick, but show us some life. I, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> like the make like a, a bowl of yeah. uh, the toilet bowl kind of thing. Like, let's take the worst two teams and whoever wins that game gets the top quarterback. That the would be two kind quarterback, of fun. But the problem is the two quarterbacks will be throwing the game because <laughs> you know what they're trying oh, to yeah, get. They're right. trying to replace you. 
we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll that bring, always happens. We'll, yeah, we we'll got to find think a solution. We got to think this through a little bit. Anyways, but your point stands, which is that this very unusual dynamic does make life very fun for Bears fans. Um, I think, uh, and this is why I wanted to talk about the Bears because it's been uh, something that's been kind of unfolding over not just the last few weeks, but really like much of the uh, since the first month of the season. Something like uh, I think that Bears fans should be very happy about is how their defense is playing. So since the first month, where do you think they rank in EPA per play? Mm. If you had to guess, since week five. Uh, 16. Second. Woo! I know how to play just, the game. Just behind the Jets. Uh, and uh, fourth in yards per play. And it's not just like a turnover big play thing. They're top 10 in success rate as well. They're playing good football. I'm coming into this year, Dominique, like I thought this defense would be awful. God awful. Uh, and you know, the Montez sweat thing certainly trade certainly helped the pass rush. He's been great, but this isn't just, this predates the trade deadline. It predates Montez sweat. They have been much better versus the run. Um, those linebackers, Edmonds playing really well. The defensive line been very stout, uh, Pickens and Dexter playing better football as the weeks go on. Jalen Johnson. Thank you. Superstar. Took you to get to him. Jeez. No <laughs> love for the cornerbacks. He's probably the, he's the best player on the defense, right? Jalen yeah, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The bones are in catch, place. He'd be really good. He had a oh. couple of pick sixes he dropped um, a few weeks ago in back-to-back games. But, yeah, no, he's really good. They're, they're building something there that's – I mean, with their style of defense, you need yeah. a front play to be pretty good, and you need linebackers to be able to cover a lot of ground, and they've been able to do it. Do you think it should be enough for Matt Eberflus to keep his job? Yeah, that's the tough one there. Defensive um, coach. He's been calling the defense, by the way, since I guess we should also, you know, they had that whole weird scandal with their defensive coordinator, which nobody still that there's not been a lot of clarity around that. Alan Williams. Um, but since then, Eberflus has taken over the defensive play calling, which is not something like head coaches don't usually call the defense, Dominique. I mean, that's it's pretty unusual. Yeah, it is unusual. Uh, sometimes the head coach calls the offense, but if you're not an offensive coach, that's a weird thing to do. Um, <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a bad way to put it. It's like normally the coaches and the GMs are always tied to yeah. um, a quarterback that they selected at some point. He hasn't selected a quarterback. He hasn't been there for a fresh start quarterback. He's been in a bad situation. The start of the season was atrocious, um, which I guess uh, last year wasn't good. I guess them showing some life right now is a credit to their ability. But what about all the other stuff y'all didn't do right? <laughs> and I don't know. It's hard. Sometimes you just need a, a fresh, fresh start. start. I think it's, yeah. it's hard to. Uh, yeah, I'm not in the building, so I can't tell you exactly why Eberflus um, stinks. But I do understand the idea of wanting to bring in a new quarterback, bring in a new coach, fresh start this thing. This is my typical equivocating answer when it comes to like firings and hirings and decisions. But I kind of feel like so like we are assuming that they will they will probably draft, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May. But even if they were to keep fields, honestly, I kind of think it depends on whether you can get like a hot shot offensive coordinator. 
if right. he can, I think there's like a case for keeping him around as like the guy who fixed the defense and has kind of kept the team together. And if you can bring in someone the next, you know, whatever, like that, I think it you, you can make a case for it. But otherwise, with the next year being so quarterback centric, it does feel like they need someone, you know, at the top who's offensive minded. I mean, it's so rare, though, that hot shot offensive coordinators are available. Um, D'Amico. D'Amico yeah. did it. Right, but yeah, but that uh, uh, was Slowick's going to. He's not going to leave that unless he gets a head coaching job. The only hot shot offensive coordinator who switches around is Eric Bieniemy. Um, I guess Kellen Moore, you could argue, was a hot shot offensive coordinator who went out to L.A. and failed, or is failing there now. So I don't know. That's a. I guess you can get somebody who's on the rise that people know is going to be good, but stealing an offensive coordinator from someone who and you're not making him a head coach is a real hard trick to pull off college maybe if there's somebody in college yeah. who's like a big candidate but anyways we'll see still some football left to be played but yeah shout out to the bears shout out to the bears defense in particular um one of the more interesting and like kind of under the radar turnarounds of the entire nfl season shout out jalen johnson who i probably should have said first thank you uh <laughs> amazing player um, okay, Dominique, this was fun. Uh, I will see you later in the week. Catch Dominique on his po- podcast, the Dominique Foxworth Show. I will be back also later in the week previewing this weekend's games. Um, so don't miss it. And listen to our YouTube. Download it. Watch oh, yes. It if you, it, you can watch this it. episode on Mina.com's YouTube.com slash at Mina Kimes. Entire episode is available there. What's the conversion rate? Do you think there's anybody who subscribes to your podcast that has not subscribed to your YouTube? If you did, if you haven't made that conversion, you're a monster. Let me know if you are watching on YouTube. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have suggestions. Keep your suggestions. I love suggestions. <laughs> <laughs>